You are Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm David Harrison, Locked On Commanders host uh, on Twitter, dharrison82, covering the Washington Commanders for CommanderCountry.com, part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. Appreciate you for being here. If you haven't subscribed before, trust me, that is not in every episode of Currents. Please do so on YouTube for free or wherever you're getting your podcast. Uh, Washington Commanders fall 31-19 to to the New York Giants. That is the story. That is the tale of the tape, and that's what we're going to talk about. If you're an every dare, well, of course, I appreciate you. As always, but every day, this post game episode is going to be just a little bit different than the other ones that you're used to. We're still going to talk about kind of how everything went down. We're still going to talk about uh, the keys to the game that the Washington Commanders did or did not satisfy, which obviously they did not satisfy all of them because I always promise you when I drop my keys to victory, if the Commanders achieve all three of those keys, they will win the game. Not could, but will win the game. Uh, they did not win the game. Therefore, uh, it's pretty likely they did not do uh, the three things that we discussed that are certainly possible for them to do, right? These things, these aren't outlandish things um, that we're talking about here. And then usually we wrap it up with our talking points, uh, right? My insiders, they text me. I text them. I ask them for talking points to follow the game. They text me their talking points. I pick three of them and we go to town on those. Today, we're going to start with the talking point first. Not all three, but the number one talking points because you already know what it is. I don't even know to tell you. You know the conversation we're about to have. Do the Washington Commanders need to clean house? Do they need to fire their coaches? And and obviously, Ron Rivera, the head coach, is, is the first guy that a lot of people talk about leading into this week. The conversation a lot of times was about Jack Del Rio, this defense not living up to uh, expectations, not living up to the, their own expectations, never mind outside expectations, which outside expectations, we can admit, uh, do tend to be a little bit higher usually than outside than internal expectations. But even their internal expectations, the expectations that they laid out for us, guys like Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Chase Young, Montez Sweat before the season, uh, this defense not living up to those expectations either. Certainly credible questions, certainly topics of conversation. Here is here is what I'm going to say in a nutshell. Do I believe, because uh, obviously this was a talking point presented by a lot of insiders, do I believe that the Washington Bears are going to fire Ron Rivera before they take on the Dallas Cowboys Thursday on Thanksgiving in uh, Dallas, Texas, in Arlington, Texas. No, I do not. I do not believe that they're going to fire Ron Rivera uh, before Thursday. And the, the biggest principal reason for that is that is an insane turnaround to give anybody. Like we already know that coaching staffs, players, trainers, you know what I mean? Everybody, PR staff, media fans hate Thursday night football by and large. Some people might enjoy it. I don't know. Um, those people who do enjoy are probably most likely fans just because uh, it's less of a physical uh, uh, impact or toll on fans than it is pretty much everybody else involved. But Thursday night football is, is just is kind of just a terrible idea. Now, Thanksgiving Thursday football has been around for, for you know, decades and decades. I mean, if you're watching football these days, you probably don't remember a time where there wasn't Thanksgiving football. So it's just kind of part of that tradition now. And it's kind of an accepted burden. But this Thursday night football routine that the NFL and, and the players have now found themselves in is really what people are talking about. For the Washington Commanders, not only is this a Thursday game, it's a it's their second Thursday game of the season. So not only having to do this once, but having to do it twice. And they're not the only ones, you know, so it's, it's not a woe is me type of situation. But from an operations standpoint, like so little, uh, you know, from, from a physical standpoint is really done in this time frame. 
um, from from a from a scouting standpoint, from a game planning standpoint. Like they're going to watch some tape, obviously, and they're going to tweak the plan they already have. But with the with advanced scouting, uh, you know, scouting ahead for opponents and all these other things, like the the game plan is pretty much I don't want to say set, but there's a lot of the game plans already kind of formulated. Now it's just got to be installed and, and instructed and and everything like that. To ask anybody to be an interim coach in that scenario, I mean, you're basically just promising that your interim head coach is going to lose their first game. Like uh, that's, and again, nothing's guaranteed. I mean, you know, look behind us. Uh, the New York Giants were nine and a half point underdogs uh, and came away with, uh, and not only do they cover the spread, they abolished the spread. Um, so nothing is impossible, right? But just from a, a what what is what is has has the even potential to be successful that is not uh anything that's going to be successful more often than not so that for any other reason than that i believe that no no move is going to happen uh between now and thanksgiving could i be wrong absolutely i could be wrong i can tell you that uh i saw more than one of the owners uh, part of the ownership group after the game and uh they were not too happy as you would expect so you know what i mean uh certainly those conversations are happening uh, i wrote a column for commandercountry.com and, and said in that column about the record-breaking franchise record-breaking sack performance of the commander's defense had tonight um, that by the time you read that post the ownership group has already had those conversations or are having continued conversations if they're going to readdress them um, and as you watch this right now I promise you that owners in this group right I can't tell you that every single owner has chimed in yet but I promise you that it is a is a topic that has already been discussed uh, at least to a certain length. And and again, I don't expect a decision to be made um, for Ron Rivera. Now, beyond Ron Rivera, Jack Del Rio specifically, right? Do I expect Ron Rivera to fire Jack Del Rio before Thursday? No. And for a lot of the same reasons, but additionally, because part of, we, we've talked about this every day or before, what is the reputation of this run office? What is the reputation of this regime? And specifically, Ron Rivera, the reputation is loyalty. The reputation is giving people an opportunity to prove themselves, giving people an opportunity to come through their adversity better on the other side of it. That is Ron Rivera's kind of, that's just the way that if you have to describe Ron Rivera as a, as a, as a coach, you know, or as a human being, that's something that I think a lot of people will go to is he is a person. He is a coach who is going to allow people the opportunity to grow through their adversity. So firing a defensive coordinator midseason, not really kind of in that MO. So I don't think again, that's going to happen before Thanksgiving, because again, saying pretty much copy paste that previous conversation we just had, right? If you fired Jack Del Rio, uh, you know, I know a lot of people like Ryan Kerrigan to be the, the interim uh, defense coordinator. I know that's really what would happen. But whoever the interim defense coordinator would be, again, first of all, nothing's going to change, right? Like no scheme, no calls, no signals are, are going to change. The only thing that was going to change is who's calling the plays, which certainly changes uh, some things to a certain extent. But by and large, your defense is still who it is. Your players are still who they are. So, you're, you're, you know, if there's a physical deficiency or a football understanding deficiency there, it's still going to remain there. Firing Jack Del Rio doesn't just make people smarter. Firing Jack Del Rio doesn't make people more athletic. Um, if Jack Del Rio was the problem motivation-wise, then it could potentially solve that problem. But I don't honestly get the vibe talking to the guys in the locker room uh, that Jack Del Rio, as a coach present in the, in the meetings and in the locker room and on the sideline, is a problem. So uh, again, for those reasons, I don't think it's going to happen. So the 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 automatic follow up to that, right? When could it happen? Uh, Friday. You know what I mean? We don't know what's going to happen against the Dallas Cowboys Thursday in Texas, but I think that's your earliest exit ramp for this ownership group if they're going to take it is Friday and as early as Friday, you know, Saturday, if you want to call it officially, we could be seeing what we all I think assume would be interim head coach Eric Bieniemy getting his first crack at a live uh, on the job interview to potentially become an NFL head coach. So 
that is widespread the conversation, the talking point that everybody wants to have. Completely understand it. So today on this episode, we put it before the game that just happened, but we are going to talk about the game that happened as well. And guys, uh, if you're in the live, leave your comments, leave your thoughts on the live chat. If you agree, disagree, doesn't doesn't matter. Uh, agreeing with me is not a prerequisite to be involved in this program. Uh, just you know, deliver your points uh, with, with uh, you know with details. You know, don't just say let's fire everybody. Like, give me some, give me some reasons why you want to fire people. If you want to fire people, but by all means, leave your thoughts, leave your comments in the live chat. I can't do it while I'm going uh, on this episode, but I will come back to it. And again, obviously, we've got a couple more days of episodes before we go to Dallas, so we will have this conversation certainly again coming up. Though we are going to talk about the game that happened. We're going to talk about the keys that uh, were or were not met. And we've got two other talking points coming up at the end of the episode that my insiders dropped on me. So all that's coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. Uh, LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Just add your job and then add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and who you'd like to hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to you faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right. Continuing this episode of Locked On Commanders following the Washington Commanders 31 uh, to 19 loss to the New York Giants here uh, in FedEx Field uh, sitting behind me. As you can see, if you are with me live or on YouTube, every day is greatly appreciate you coming through every single day and every time we drop an episode. I know it's frustrating, uh, ladies and gentlemen, so I appreciate you even more because it's frustrating. Group therapy time. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. It is super dope. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. That thing is super cool, guys. I have it on my devices all the time, um, and I'm listening to what my peers on the network are having to say. And look, I, I co-host the Locked On NFL, our national NFL show, every uh, Thursday night, Friday after Thursday night football. So if uh, if you want to see me there, you can come see me there. And every once in a while, you'll also catch a Commander's episode uh, moving forward. If if some of the actions happen that a lot of people want to have happen soon, um, you will probably see me on the live stream sooner rather than later. All right. Getting back to the football. At the end of the day, that's what we're here to talk about is football, right? Rekeying the Commanders. I gave you three keys to beating the New York Giants that if the Washington Commanders satisfied all three keys or uh, or uh, uh, grabbed all three keys, whatever you want to call it, acquired all three keys, they would win this game. Uh, so how did they do? Key number one was take advantage of all your advantages. We went through it, and the New York Giants offensively, defensively, widely, uh, special teams-wise, uh, not a very good football team, and the Washington Commanders basically outranked the New York Giants on the opposite side of the spectrum. So Washington's offensive rushing game was ranked better than New York's rushing defense and so on and so forth down the line. So the key there was take advantage of those advantages, make sure that they stick, make sure that they stay, thrive through them and get the win. Uh, in this game, the commanders were outdone in goal to go situations. 100% for the Giants, 50% for the commanders yards per pass attempt, 9.5 uh, yard or 9.5 9 yards per pass completion. Sorry, uh, compared to 5.7. 
uh, completion percentage was close, but 69.2% for Tommy DeVito, 68.9% for Sam Howell. Rushing yards per attempt, uh, Saquon Barkley finishes with 5.9 yards per carry, Brian Robinson 4.3, and then average yards per play. But Washington did end up topping the New York Giants in some pretty critical uh, avenues, right? First downs, uh, total first downs, also rushing first downs and plus passing first downs, like all across the board in first downs. Uh, better on third downs, better in red zone, better, more total offense, more rushing yards, more rushing yards uh, per average as a team, uh, obviously not as individuals. Fewer tackles for loss against the Washington Commanders only stopped behind the line of scrimmage one time. The New York Giants were stopped behind the line of scrimmage five times and more net passing yards. The problem is uh, the category the Washington Commanders really led the way in was turnovers. Six of them. Six turnovers. And the average NFL game, uh, and this is mostly anecdotal data, so it's, you know, don't don't go to like true data and, and try to quote me on it. But the average NFL game offensively, you can expect to have 10 to 12, maybe 13 or 14 uh, possessions. And the Washington Commanders gave away six of them, one on special teams, five straight up from the offense, gave away six turnovers, finished this game minus six because they also didn't take any turnovers away. No interceptions, no fumbles, no nothing taken away from the New York Giants. And overall for the season, the Washington Commanders entered today's game minus two in the turnover category. They're now minus eight. Minus two is about middle of the league. It's about like 15 to 18 range uh, ranked in the National Football League. Minus eight, negative eight is dead last. The Washington Commanders went from the middle of the league to the very bottom of the league in turnover differential in one game. That is how bad this this team was uh, in the turnover department. So key one, uh, obviously, did not achieve key number one. Turnovers killed this more than anything. Key number two, take the ball out of Saquon's hand. And you know what? In the beginning, it actually looked like it was going to work. Force the Giants to throw by using a combination of stack boxes to stop the run and score early to force a pass-heavy approach. Uh, they, they satisfied the first block. Stack the box, attack Saquon, force Tommy DeVito to beat you, and they were doing that. Early on, they were effective against the run. Zero yards rushing for the New York Giants in the first half. Saquon Barkley, negative two yards rushing on six carries. And I think it was Matt Breida had two yards rushing uh, in the first half. The problem is, there was little to no scoring. The Washington Commanders went into the second, in, in, in halftime, trailing the New York Giants, which means they can come out of the locker room continue to try to establish the run game, continue to try to get the ball into Saquon Barkley's hands. And on the ground alone, Barkley gained 85 yards of rushing in the second half alone on eight carries. He only carried the ball eight times in the second half, gained 85 yards rushing. That's 10.6 yards per carry that the Washington Commanders gave up on the ground in the second half, uh, including runs of 36 and 31 given up to Saquon Barkley. And he tacked on four catches for 57 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, so early on, again, early on, and this is something that Ron Rivera talked about. A lot of the players talked about it as well. Early on, they did a lot of the things that you want to see them do as far as keeping keeping the, the Giants offense in check and, and doing all those things. But as the game progressed and the more the Giants were allowed to continue to try to fix what they were trying to do because the commanders weren't putting any pressure on them uh, on the scoreboard, uh, basically on the scoreboard, uh, they were able to get it figured out. And, uh, you know, Saquon Barkley eventually is going to bite you. The longer you let him stick around, the more likely it is that he's going to bite you, and that's eventually exactly. There was by designer chance against the Seattle Seahawks. The Washington Commanders running backs combined for 10 carries, 12 targets. That's 21 uh, total touches. It's actually 22. Um, nobody caught my math mistake on my last episode, but I caught it there for you. 22 total touches against the Seattle Seahawks, again, in a losing effort, but the offense was able to run pretty stinking well uh, with that. So I said, even without Antonio Gibson in the game, most likely you want to see the Washington Commanders offense do that again. Well, they did. The Washington Commanders backs uh, in week 11 against the New York Giants finished with 33 touches 
combined. That's between carries uh, and catches. 202 yards of offense produced from those touches. 6.1 yards per touch uh, produced by Washington Commanders running backs. Chris Rodriguez was responsible for one loss fumble. Running backs are doing. You can survive with that kind of offense. It's the rest of it that's got to leave. It's the interceptions. It's the, uh, it's, the, it's the rest of the fumbles, all those things. So bottom line is Washington Commanders running back group is a value to this team. So you want to keep seeing them use it uh, as much as possible uh, moving forward. So we got two more topics of conversation that we need to hit before we wrap up here at FedEx Field. And that's coming up next on today's episode of Locked on Commanders. Uh, again, today's episode, Locked on Commanders, brought to you by DoorDash. Whenever the game clock stops, time to order with DoorDash. Get your pizza, wings, soda, burgers, even just buns on DoorDash. And get it all delivered without missing the game. Uh, since I'm here at FedEx, assuming that my phone will allow me to order, I'm going to drop a DoorDash order for pickup from Nando's. Uh, I'm going to get some wings to help me get through my rewatch of the game when I get home because that's what I do when I return. Um, score football seasons, best deals on groceries, restaurants, retail, and more. All of your favorite restaurants and stores from retail to groceries are on the app so you can shop everything you need to get game day ready. Get 50% off up up to ten, a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code LOCK23. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCK23 for 50% off up to a $10 value on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and spend $15 or more subject to change. Terms apply. Goodness gracious. All right, let's see if we can get through this thing cleanly here, guys. Locked on Commanders. Final segment. we got two more topics to talk about. Again, we talked about the first topic in the beginning. Uh, about firing Ron Rivera, Jack Del Rio, any number of coaches uh, gone through uh, the keys. Obviously, the Washington Commanders not coming up with two of the three keys. Um, and the third key, unfortunately, not strong enough by itself to pull the Commanders through for a victory in Week 11. But two more topics that the insider shared with me that they wanted to discuss that we're going to discuss here now uh, that some of you have stuck around. I, again, I greatly appreciate you sticking around for the delay. Uh, first first target, uh, topic, again, segment one. Second topic. Why does uh, the New York defensive line dominate Washington's offensive line every time they play? Also, kind of a, another form of that question, why do the commanders play Philly so well but not uh, against others? Because they really both have the same answer. Um, and every day as we've had this conversation on other episodes, this Washington commanders team, from my observation, does not look like an internally motivated commanders team. Um, internally motivated teams go out like the, the trademark, right? The thumbprint of an internally motivated team is it goes out and it basically says, this is what we're going to do to you. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. And they try to impose their will on their opponents in externally motivated teams. Wait to see what the opponent does and then tries to counter that with their own actions. The problem is you're always bringing your level down to them. If they're sub, sub if there's uh, uh, inferior to you or you're bringing it up to them, if they're superior to you, and the frustration comes in. This is why you get so frustrated about seeing this team go toe-to-toe with the Philadelphia Eagles, only to get blown away by the Chicago Bears, only to get run out of their own house against the New York Giants, is because going toe-to-toe with the Philadelphia Eagles, a Super Bowl-caliber team, means that you have a Super Bowl-caliber team. Like, you have a Super Bowl-caliber roster. You have a Super Bowl-caliber coaching staff. You have Super Bowl-caliber talent. The problem you have is exactly what Ron Rivera said in the post-game press conference. You have no consistency. Why do you have no consistency? Because your effort, intent, and the spirit with which you do your job is not the same every weekend. It is dependent on the effort, spirit, and intent of your opponent. And that is a terrible way to try to dominate any physical foe. Like, you can't go into any kind of battle 
I don't care if it's on the gridiron, the court, the rink, the battlefield. I don't care where envi- what environment you're in. You cannot go into any type of conflict gauging your response based on what they do. You have to go in with your plan. You have to go in with your intent. And in these situations, your intent has to be bad. You cannot go in with good intentions. This is not a gentleman's duel. We're going to walk five paces, turn and shoot at the same time. No, this is combat. We're going to come at each other with everything that we can within the laws of the game that we're playing or the battle that we're fighting. And you're going to get 1000% of my arsenal thrown in your face every single weekend. That's not what this team does from my observations. Again, I'm not in the meeting rooms. I'm not in the game plan sessions. And the practice that we get to see is very partial. You know what I'm saying? But from what I can see, that is what I see. I see a team that does not come in with bad intent against their opponent. They come and say, okay, you tell us what kind of fights you want to fight. We'll see if we can keep up. And that's why you see this team falter so often because they're not playing the game based on their own uh, rules. That's, that's the best way that I can put that. So talking point number three. Uh, is it enough enough uh, with the defense? Is it time to fire Jack Del Rio? Is it time for a change? I've already talked about the Jack Del Rio part. As far as the defensive changes go, here's what I will say moving forward for the Washington Commanders. And this doesn't even really have to do with Jack Del Rio specifically because I believe Jack Del Rio can, can coach an even front defense and an odd front defense just as well. This team needs to go to an odd front defense. When you talk about odd front defenses, the New York Giants, for example, like to run a, a fairly odd front heavy uh, type of defense. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers run an odd front heavy type of defense. You're talking two down or uh, one down lineman, three down linemen, sometimes two down linemen. I know it's even, but you still kind of have that thing. The the key here to to uh, to an odd front defense is you have more players at the second and third level of your defense than you do the first level of your defense. The reason I like that is because it allows you to be creative in your aggression and it allows you to be more athletic at the point of attack. When you have four down linemen on a regular basis, you've got four dudes that are just really big, really strong. But to be to be fair, they're not very athletic and they're not very fast in the terms of the scope of the NFL. They're more athletic than you and I, most likely. I don't know you uh, specifically, but they're more athletic than I am. But in the scope of the National Football League, they're not as athletic as a Saquon Barkley. They're not as athletic as a Darren Waller who didn't play today. But you get the gist, right? When you put two down linemen, three down linemen on the field, you now have more linebackers, more safeties, more DBs, more corners. Whatever it is you have more of, you have more of them. It doesn't mean you're not going to rush any fewer players, right? Like a, like a four-man front is probably going to rush four or five players. A two-man front is going to rush four or five players. It's just now where is that rush coming from? How are you rotating behind that rush? And again, that's where the creativity comes in. It allows you to move plays, pieces around uh, more often than not. I've seen Todd Bowles of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers run a safety up as a nose tackle. He's I've seen him use a safety as a zero tech. I've seen him use a nose tackle as a defensive end. Get creative, shift things around. So whether it's Jack Del Rio, whether it's Jeff Scanina, whether it's Brian Kerrigan, I don't care who the defensive coordinator is. If you ask me what needs to change on the defense, that's what needs to change. This defense is too straightforward. They're too vanilla. They're they're uh, in some of the communications, they don't actually have very good communication. But bottom line is this defense, again, does not come out here trying to impose its will on opponents. It comes out and tries to say to see what the opponent's going to do and then reacts to it. And to me, that's a very passive way of coaching. It's a very passive way of playing. It's a very passive way uh, of, of surviving. And you see it on the field here. Passivity. Uh, is that even a word? I just made that up. Um, is not going to get the job done in the National Football League. So. Um, no, I don't think Jack Del Rio is getting fired before Thanksgiving. No, I don't think Ron Rivera is getting fired before Thanksgiving. Both of them, all of them, each of them 
I think the soonest that's going to happen is Friday if you're wishing for it. Personally, I don't like to wish for guys to get fired because that's kind of evil in my eyes. But, you know, I get the sense in a, in a sports arena. I get that. I get why fans can get to that point. So I don't necessarily blame you for your frustrations. I'm just not going to be the guy that calls for someone's job specifically. Um, but do what does something need to change? One one thousand percent. Something's got to change, whether that's a firing or something else. Something absolutely has to change coming up. Uh, I'm going to change Wi-Fi. Tomorrow I'll be back on my Wi-Fi, and it's a lot stronger than what we have here in FedEx Fields. If you got questions or comments, uh, just drop them in the YouTube comments section. Hit me on Twitter or send them to me directly via text message by becoming a Locked On Commanders insider. Join subtext slash Locked On Commanders. As always, thank you so much for being a Locked On Commanders, your first listener, your first view today and every day. Thank you for everydayers for coming through on a consistent basis like you do. Thank you so much for making me a part of your football routine. Until we speak again, please, if you're out and about, be safe, be kind, and I'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 